Everyone, it's Adasha Towns, another Feast and Fashion podcast. I'm a veteran food and beverage journalist who's worked with some of the most notable media outlets in the world. Feast and Fashion is the intersection of food and fashion, one beautiful plate or glass at a time. With each episode, I will introduce you to fascinating, fabulous people in the culinary industry. Today, Sakari Smithwick and Moshe Douglas joined me. Chef Sakari took the lessons and values he acquired during this time at the award-winning culinary team at 11 Madison Park and apply them to his new venture, Noble Promise. The New York-based chef has created a culturally astute culinary pop-up concept that brings together all sorts of people from different backgrounds and unique settings throughout the city. And through his partnership with Moshe and the streetwear-inspired piece and Parmesan, he curates events that are memorable and one-of-a-kind. During this episode, I chat with Chef Sakari and Moshe to find out more about both fabulous brands, Noble Promise and Peace and Parmesan. Thank you guys for joining me. I'd love for you to introduce yourselves. Yeah, of course. Uh, I'll go first. My name is Sakari Smithwick. I'm chef from Long Island, 26 years old, and I'm chef and owner of Noble Promise, which is a pop-up and media company based in New York City. I'm Moshe. You know, some people call me Mo. Graphic designer, you know, that's what I do career-wise. You know, I've got a number of things I work with on the side, Peace and Parmesan, a clothing brand. That's um, one thing a lot of people know me for. How did you guys, how did you two get together? How did this this collaboration happen? So we both went to culinary school, actually. <laughs> we both went to culinary school. We met each other in culinary school, and we really got close when we did a competition in Costa Rica. So I represented Team uh, USA in Costa Rica. We won a gold gold medal, very cool. And Mo was able to come. So we kind of really got to know each other, things like that. And then we started sharing, you know, our ideas and our philosophy just about life. And and that's, I guess, the start of how we connected. And to see how Peace and Parmesan really connected with who I am as a person and how I live my day to day. That's that's about right. I guess we can be really connected on that um, because it's funny because we known each other from face value, but we didn't really get to really know each other until Costa Rica. And, you know, Costa Rica was a more intimate situation, being it was a smaller group of select culinary students. And I graduated at that time, but I was still cool with the chefs where he's like, yeah, come, come with us, tag along and represent. So the, I was grateful for that experience. Just getting to know people and see they have different morals and values. And at the time I was working with the brand and he's seen it aligned, you know, so having that conversation with somebody who who got the same mindset as you, that's what really kind of like set it off. Absolutely. Now, how did you come up with the name? I love Peace and Parmesan. How, yeah. how did that come about? I always say it's God given, you know, because it was just it was like bing. And I was like, this is it, you know, but. I read the Bible a lot. I read a lot of Psalms and Proverbs. And, you know, it was in Psalms 133. It's basically being like your brother's keeper. And along with that, that's like unity to me, you know? So just like how me and Sakari connected, it's about getting together. It's about, you know, doing things, making money and, and living. So I'm like, okay, peaceful, peace, everything is calm. And then Parmesan, you know, is it's classified as a rich and sharp cheese, but I flipped it and said rich and sharp of the mind. So it's a mindset thing. So I was like, okay, let's be rich and sharp in the mind and be peaceful too. You know, so it was like peace and parmesan. I was like, oh yeah, that's it right there. Why a clothing line? In high school, I wanted to make a clothing line. I wanted to make t-shirts. I enjoy streetwear a lot. And it seems 
it seems cliche now because it's very popular to, to for streetwear. Like streetwear been popular, but now it's like more open. Mm-hmm. And you know, t-shirts. I always wear a t-shirt. I got a t-shirt now. You know, Carrie got a t-shirt. It's just super accessible for people. So I went to U- University of Buffalo and I was studying graphic design. So I was already learning how to make logos. So I was like, all right, I always, you know, I'm people say I'm fashionable. Why don't I start just making my own stuff? I'm learning graphic design. I don't need to pay nobody to make my own my own logos. So the con the, it kind of just intertwined, like, okay, I'ma just mix two interests together and and make it happen for the people. As far as the clothing line, is it just t-shirts or do you have other types of clothing in that line? So I'm actually expanding now out of that realm because a lot of people is supporting me, but it's like a grandma's not gonna wear a t-shirt, you know, or somebody's aunt might not want a t-shirt or a pair of sweats, you know. So actually behind Sakari is is some pillows. So I'm I'm going into the home decor and into like the everyday items. So I just made car fresheners, I do um I do pillows, I made rugs, you know, so I'm gonna start doing like flower pots. I got. I told Sakai I'm gonna make some silverware for him for his personal set. So I really just want to expand it into, you know, just I guess novelty items also. And and also just for me to interject real quick, you know, when I saw the piece of Parmesan, right? Like for me, when I think of food, I'm like Parmesan, right? I love, love, love Parmesan. And I had to hear Mo's concept about the mindset, and we have the same exact mindset. I was like, you know what? This has to do with food. It's not just a fashion brand. It's not just a streetwear brand. And, you know, we've worked on some aprons together um, for events and we're trying to create an ecosystem within ourselves to be able to support, you know, black owned businesses and with ourselves, you know, why, why buy another brand when we could buy each other's brand, when we could support each other and build each other up. So that's how we really, really connected and trying to support each other. Are there any companies right now doing um, uh, black owned companies that are doing chef aprons right now that you know of? I know Marcus Samuelson, he wears like the hand-painted ones. And I know there's some Haitian chefs as well that they do like the hand-painted ones. But, you know, at Pizza and Parmesan, you know, we're doing like hand-knitting ones like his mother made, you know, yeah. um, which is really, really cool. And we're just trying to create different ideas about how we can kind of evolve that a little bit and see and see what realms we could do. Because we want to create an apron that not only is, you know, nice, but also is durable and that and that can stay clean. Cause like, you know, obviously as you become a chef and things like that, you start to learn about like cleanliness is very important, right? So when you have this apron, you know, it's a it's a representation of yourself. So how do we keep it clean, right? What materials are we using to keep it clean? And what colors, you know, do you want to use like a color color like maybe like a navy blue or a gray, something that doesn't show dirt as much versus like a white apron, you know, things like that. Right, because aprons are really cool and, and, and fashionable when you're, you know, be greeting the guests and everything, but you definitely want it to be durable and, yeah. and yeah. Being, a, being able to wear it for a while, correct? Yeah, exactly. You want something that lasts, you know, you look at all these like other designer brands, you know, people paying a high premium amount of money for these brands, but I want people to pay for obviously the vision, but also like the durability and the quality. Quality is very important. And it speaks to the food aspect as well. You know, what quality ingredients are we using? Where are we getting our produce from? And then same thing with this. I love it. So how does that tie into what you're working on, Chef Sakari? I want you to talk about Noble. Noble Problems. How did you come up with that name? Yeah, of course. So Sakari in um, Swahili means actually Noble Promise, which Mm. means that you have a promise in the future that you keep to your word. So throughout my entire life, whatever adversities that I, I came across, you know, I always thought, okay, I'm going to get through this. Like I have a promise in the future and I got to keep to my word. And I just kept that 
that those words, those phrases with me my entire life. Um, and that's became my brand and my vision for, for what I'm trying to accomplish. And that translates into how I live my life into everything that I do. So No Promise right now is a, a, is a pop-up concept um, in a media company based in New York City. And our vision is to basically bridge the gap between different races in America using the dinner table, right? So if you look at any of these fine dining restaurants, people look at, at fine dining as kind of like, it has like, I don't know, like a controversy term. Pe- people, people aren't really knowledgeable about fine dining, right? So, you know, we want to deliver an experience for the guests, an experiential dining experience, right? Um, and with that, we want to basically be able to deliver, we want people to find the value in spending, you know, a little bit more money than they used, they're usually used to um, at these at these dinners. Through that, I think we can basically create the conversation between two different types of cultures, two different types of demographics that normally wouldn't happen. Just getting them at the same dinner table, having different conversations. So, how does that tie into peace and parm? Well, it ties into the experience aspect. You know, the entire restaurant is is decored with peace and parmesan. We're playing '90s music. We're playing new jack swing. We're playing hip hop. We're playing modern music. You know, we're we're laying out entire books to educate our guests about you know things that either I've went through through my childhood or what what is up to date in 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 the food industry. Just really playing to the to the experience aspect. Did you want to add something, Moshe? You know, I, I had a thought because I remember I ate at ABCV. It's a it's a John George restaurant in the city, and it's it will be considered fine dining. And I remember eating there, and I was probably eating like a twenty dollar spaghetti. You know, and <laughs> I'm eating it, and I'm like, wow, like, why? I just felt like because I'm from the Bronx, you know, so I'm like, I felt like minorities really don't experience this you know, experience fine dining. Obviously it comes with a price tag, but it's like, at, at the moment I'm like, yo, this is like really nice. Like, you know, this is the atmosphere, the experience I was getting, just how modern it was, the soft music. So when he started talking about experience, it's like, yes, like we want to show people a good time, you know, away from what we think is a good time. And we just want to give people access. You know, right. like, like we didn't know we're we're lucky that we know about Michelin stars and fine dining and all these things. But like a lot of people don't, you know. And so what our, our, our next mission that we're working on is basically going into these, you know, POC, like people of color neighborhoods, communities, underserved communities and cooking healthy food for them. Because all they have access to is like 99 cent hamburgers and like things like that or fried chicken or things that aren't really healthy. So we're going to create a delicious meal that gives them the still experience that you would feel at Noble Promise at like a platinum package that you have $200 meal, whatever the case is, um, for an affordable price. That's Just fantastic. to get into the community so that they understand, oh, there is something outside of this square box that they know from day to day. Right. Mm-hmm. So what types of places are you pop- doing the pop-up events at? Right now I'm in partnership with Resident. And what Resident does is they take, you know, talented chefs and they basically take underutilized areas, um, real estate, and we host, we host pop-ups. So it's all over New York City and these like million dollar complexes, which is amazing. And um, like our last, our last dinner we did like a, at the chef's table, it was, I believe it was in Midtown. And the last chef that was there was like Martha Stewart. And then I came in and I'm talking to the owner and I'm like, this is crazy that I'm here. And it was a beautiful decor, beautiful setup. You know, it was just, it was just awesome experience. So they, they really supplied the venue. They, they supplied me with my team. And then I have complete creative control. That is um, so cool. That experience. That's cool. So speaking of experiences and, you know, over the top, 
you know, we cannot have this conversation without talking about your experience at 11 Madison Park. And what was that like? <laughs> oh, and <laughs> I grew up there, you know, so I came. So before that, I, I worked at Maria, which was also like a notable restaurant. Mm -hmm. And I just early on, I just got into this thing where I just wanted to be the best. So I was like, you know, I, I want to be the best. I want to be the best. Well, what is the best restaurant? And at the time, you know, 11 Madison Park was the number fourth best restaurant in the world the best restaurant in North America at that time. So I kept trying, kept trying, um, knocking on doors, reaching out to people that I knew, came in there. I come in and like, like, like a little scared, like cook coming in there while here's we, and like all this craziness, trying to talk to the chef. And like, I heard like a thousand no's and then it finally took one yes. And then I finally got in. And then from there, I, I learned about discipline. I learned about experiences. I learned about storytelling. I learned about organization to another level, like attention to detail to another level. And then I was there when it was the best restaurant in the world. Um, it was just an amazing experience. And I think the best thing that for me was the connections that I made from that. I got to meet people from all around the world. And then from there, I still get to meet them, you know, the other week or the other day, or, or I still keep in touch with these people. You know, I can go to London now. I have a friend. I can go to France or the Netherlands and now I have a friend because of these connections that I made from that place. So it's a huge part of my journey and, and I'm so thankful that I was able to work there. And I'm sure you've taken those experiences that you had at 11 Madison Park as well as Maria and you've built them into your new concept. Yeah, of course. So using the discipline that you learn from these places and like what you learn from these amazing chefs, you kind of create it to your own, you know? So after I left these places, um, I helped gain a Michelin star like when I was 24 years old at restaurant Yukio um, with Chef Marco. So it's me and him, him and I, uh, basically cooking for like 30, 30 people, uh, just going back and forth. And and that was an amazing experience because I got hands on with the chef, right? Um, I was able to put menu items and things like that. And then he helped me get to Europe. So all these discipline that I, I learned at 11 Madison Park, I was able to kind of distribute into all these places that I traveled and then create my own understanding, create my own definition of what I wanted to be, what I want no promise to be, who I am, what kind of food I, I wanted to cook and, and things like that. So dope. So both of you, I want you to talk about how you bring in the blackness into <laughs> the culture, you know, uh, the cuisine and the yeah. clothing, because I know that's also a big part of your platforms. Yeah, I mean, it's I never, I never, I'm kind of think about it because I never thought about it in that angle, but you know, when you come from a certain place, like you gotta cater to your own, you know, like most cultures do. So for me, it's like, I just got so much love in my heart personally to where, you know, if somebody needs something, I'm trying to, I'm trying to help them. And sometimes, and I, I don't, I don't want to talk to make it seem like I'm talking about myself in a certain light, you know, but really just being a reflection and having people saying, I like this kid or I like this guy, you know, and, inspiring people and you know with the imagery being you know an african-american or a colored person however we're gonna call it it's like wow how can how can i help you you know so being myself and the people that surround me being minorities being black people that'd be the push to see people really do things and like oh my gosh this is cool how can i get next to you this is cool what do you need this is cool how can i be a part of it how can i support you so it's like it's just really being a walking example in my perspective that's awesome. Like Mo, he's super supportive in it, and it's about supporting our own and creating our culture and building each other up, like I said before. But I guess how do I bring the blackness? 
it's it's just who I am. You know what I mean? Like people always try to like for example, people always try to ask me, you know, Sakara, like what kind of cuisine is this? What 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 food is this? Like what are you cooking? And in layman's terms, you know, it's American food from a black perspective. Because that's how I grew up, right? My grandfather's Jamaican, you know, my grandmother's from the South. But I don't like to be put in a box, you know. So what we're cooking at Nova Promise is just memories. We're cooking our childhood memories. And all my childhood memories are based around the black culture, because that's what I was around. And with Nova Promise, it's special because we're able to create an institution for years to come where after I'm not at the helm of the kitchen, whoever's next can cook their memories. And whether that's black celebration or whether that's a different type of culture celebration, it's their memories. And we keep that tradition going. Um, so for me, I just stay true to who I am and, and authentic. And I just, you know, we're playing R&B, we're playing hip hop, we're playing all the music that I listen to, you know, at these events or at, at, in, our, in my restaurant. We're hanging up arts and paint. Like one of the amazing um, inspirations is Kobe Bryant. And we have a painting of Kobe Bryant that we hang up and things like that, Mama Mentality tribute to that that mentality of always trying to be better every single day so you know it's not that i chose to be black it's just who i am and just how it how it happened basically all the dishes that you've been cooking i'm talking about your own dishes is there something that jumps out that's a signature and you're just like yeah. this defines me and my experiences is there one dish or are there a bunch of dishes i mean <laughs> i can speak about a, a couple of dishes but for me the one that jumps out the most is um my dish called mother bell and so my mother, Belle, is my great-grandmother. She's 96 years old. She's about to turn 97 this year, like a couple months. She's still living, like amazing. And she cooks She cooks this mayonnaise cake. So people are like, what? Like mayo cake? Like mayo in, inside a cake? Like what is that? So she she doesn't use any butter or anything like that. She just uses mayonnaise. And and it keeps the, the cake really, really moist. And I, and I have the handwritten recipe, which is framed, and we hang it up in Noble Promise as well. And... We use that cake and then we pair it with a snow cream. So growing up in the South, so I used to spend a lot of my summers in the South and it wouldn't snow that often. So, you know, as, as you know, like in Southern culture, you know, we preserve a lot of things, right? Whether it's green beans, pickles, whatever. So whenever it did snow, they would preserve it by collecting all the snow and turn that into ice cream. And then we would enjoy it during the summertime. So whenever I went down there, I would always have like this, like, like it was crystally, it was like creamy, it was vanilla, it was like yellow, it was like snow cream, it was snow cream ice cream. So we recreated that noble promise. Um, we do a mayonnaise cake with snow cream on top, um, and then using the exact same recipe that my great grandmother cooks, and it's one that touches people's heart. Just I guess because of the story and, and the flavors and, and everything as well. It's so cool. Yeah. I, I'm from the south. Well, my parent people are from the south, and I've never heard yeah. of a mayo cake. Where, yeah. where exactly from? Um, North, North Carolina. So she lives in Williamson, which is a very, very small town. Okay. Um, like Eastern, Eastern North Carolina. But okay. yeah, it's, it's, it's what her mother cooked for her, which her, her mother was little mom and she lived to one-on-one. So she held me in my arms. I don't remember cause I was an infant, but she held, like she lived to 101 years old and you know, that was her recipe and she passed it down and, and now I'm using it. So nice. Yeah. And just to speak on that too, it's like, for me, I feel like grandmothers are like the real chefs. Like they're the OG chefs, like, you know what I mean? So it's only right that we celebrate where we come from and who taught us things. Because before any like celebrity chef or anything like that, we had grandma, we had mom cooking in the kitchen. Like that's all we knew, you know, we yeah. smell those aromas. That's how it started. So, you know, we're just coming full circle and we're presenting that at Noble Promise. You want to add something, Mo? No, he, he said it all, you know. <laughs> I want to hear about your experiences with food because you are, you did go to culinary school. I know you're not working yeah. in it now, but right. I want to hear about some of your experiences. 
we can talk about the experience. So I did culinary. Um, I did culinary for two years, and I still love cooking. You know, I'm I'm an experimental cook, meaning a lot of people ask, "What's my favorite thing to cook?" It's like I don't have a favorite because I always expand. I'm always learning new things. But my style is very unorthodox. Like I would be like, "Okay, how would this like banana spread taste on it? Uh, this fried chicken?" You know, like I be, I'm always just trying to think. Yeah, like I'm always trying to think of like flavors, you know, the sweet with the tangy and the thing thing. So I don't, I started to make a recipe um, book when I was in culinary school, but then that shift, the thing about the culinary life is you have to be present, you know, like you can't, you can't be a, a chef remotely, you know, you have to be in the kitchen, <laughs> you know? So after working like long hours in the kitchen, I'm like, you know, I enjoy cooking, but I'm trying to see what outside is like. So I went back into the arts. I was always into art. I wanted to be an illustrator growing up. So when I, I transferred, I went to University of Buffalo. Um, I went under business first because I was still trying to pursue a culinary career. So I was like, all right, I want to be an international chef. I want to travel. I want to cook. So I pursued business. But then I'm like, you know, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. So then I transitioned into graphic design. And that's that's the media art I do now. And, you know, later it came into the clothes things and making clothes and making logos for other people and making brochures and X amount of stuff. But I still enjoy cooking. I worked at Harlow's. I don't think it exists anymore, but that was like a fine dining Japanese restaurant. You know, they would specialize in seafood. That experience was cool. We had a we had the the signatures kitchen inside Delhi and I worked there for a little bit. But yeah, it was just it was just being present as a cook. You always just have to be in the kitchen. So I was like, you know, this is cool, but I'd rather just do it in my own time, you know. But going out to to Costa Rica and still being a part of like the community is like I appreciate it. So you're a bit of you're a bit of a renaissance man. That's what I would say. You can, can cook, say you can design. I mean, <laughs> yeah. my goodness. Okay? Yeah. Graphic designer, fashion designer, food designer, food connoisseur. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of everything. <laughs> yeah, um, I just wanted to just to say, like, when I think about Mo and I think about food, I think about, you know, he doesn't eat pork and he doesn't like eat meat a lot and things like that. He, he likes to eat vegan a lot, which kind of he introduced me more to vegan food. You know, a lot of people think of like vegetarians or like any dietary restrictions is kind of like a problem in the kitchen. You know, it comes the ticket comes in, you're like, oh, a vegan's yeah. here, or like whatever. But, you know, having that that relationship with Mo, it kind of expanded my my vision about you know vegan and vegetarian and all these different options and like really appeasing to people's lifestyles um and i think it's so important to create an experience to create a dish geared towards that like create a vegan dish or create a vegetarian dish um instead of actually making it fun instead of yeah it's it's a competitive thing you know it's it should be it should be people are dining into your restaurant and it should be a, a positive thing, not a negative thing. So, you know, because of Mo, he introduced that to me and then I started eating more vegan food, trying to become more healthy and, and things like that. So, yeah, that's funny because people people hate going out with me. You know, I'm more like controlling <laughs> now going out like, yeah, this is what we're going to eat. Yeah, like, I see like too much pork on the menu. I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to eat here. Then when we go there. It's like, all right, I'll take a water and. You know, do you fry the fries and the shrimp grease? Like, you know, like people, people hate eating that with me. But, you know, it'd be a good time when you actually go to a restaurant where it's like, it could be vegan or vegetarian or they, because, you know, cross-contamination, some people be like, yeah, I don't eat pork. But then they'll like take the pepperoni off a pizza and still eat it. It's like, no, like that's still pork pizza to me. You know, so, you know, even in the kitchen, sometimes you don't see what's going on in the kitchen, but 
you know, they'll sometimes they'll fry your fries in the, in the shrimp grease or, you know, they'll use the same knife that they use for the pork on your chicken, you know, and it's like, that's still eating pork to me, you know, so people be hating eating out with me. <laughs> That really gives me something to think about because I eat everything, but you know, there are weeks when I'll totally go vegan or vegetarian and everything like that. And if I'm one of those people, I'll just pick the pepperoni off or whatever. But as a chef, you really have to be aware of that because people's dietary restrictions are there for a reason. So uh, I'm sure that really helps you out, Sakari. You have to respect the other side, you know? And, and it goes back into what Nova Promise is all about, right? Respecting the other side, like like the other communities, other people that we don't really know, right? So I can't have that stigma of like, oh, it'll be fine. Let me just cook it on the same grill, or oh, it'll be fine. No, it's because yeah. you don't you don't understand in what way it could be an allergic reaction. It could be a religion thing. You know what I mean? So instead of so what we do at Nova Promise is instead of just taking the whatever dietary restriction is out of the plate, we create an entire new dish just for them. And it's, a, and it's a dish that we, you know, freestyle dish or whatever the case is, um, we do it just for, for just for them. So when they get it, they feel special, you know, and they feel welcomed. And and when you come to Noble Promise, you're coming into my home, you know, which is why we have the decor piece of Parmesan, because this is how I live my life, which is why we're listening to this music, you know, because it's the music I grew up on. These are the books I read. You know, this is my childhood. This is who I am. This is my house. So when you come in, I want you to feel welcome. And how do we make you feel welcome when well, we create you something special? So between the music at your events and the artwork, you've got the Kobe Bryant artwork and other artwork, the yeah. music and the food, and you've got the lush environment. Mm-hmm. You're curating the whole experience. It's like you get everything. They're, they're giving you all of that. That is just so awesome. Yeah. And, and we're trying to, what I'm trying to do by going into these communities is give these access to these people so that they understand the experience that they're paying for. You know, like the same way that, you know, our culture or minorities, we pay for designer belts or we might pay for like a Coachella ticket or, or some type of ticket or something like that. I want people to feel that same value and yeah. to paying a ticket to come into the No Promise experience. And that's what it ties into. Like, for example, one thing that we do at No Promise as well is, you know, one standout dish has been the brown sugar dessert. So the brown sugar dessert uses entirely only brown sugar. And it really, it, it only uses natural brown sugar because it's natural, it's unrefined. And then we do it seasonally, right? So whatever fruits are in that season, we'll, we'll do, like, for example, this season we're doing a Tahitian treat sorbet, right? Because my mom loves Tahitian treat, it's her favorite soda. So we do a Tahitian treat sorbet uh, with strawberries and things like that. And then while the guest is enjoying and understanding the story and the concept behind this dish, the music brown sugar is playing as well, mm-hmm. you know? And it ends connecting it Which with- Which brown the- sugar? D'Angelo Brown, okay. D'Angelo Brown sugar, yes, 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 yes. You know, and you know, the idea came from when I was in the Netherlands, and the chef, you know, he's from the Netherlands. He spent some time in New York, and he's like, "Do you know that song, um, Brown Sugar by D'Angelo?" I was like, "What you know about Brown Sugar?" <laughs> and he's like, "Give me some of that Brown Sugar." And he started singing it, and I'm like, "This guy is from the Netherlands, all the way from across the other world." And that music connected us, you know? So I wanted to bring that same type of experience, that same thing to Noble Promise. And that's how we created the dessert. Music and food. I feel yeah. like there's a huge connector with those those two things, don't you guys? Yeah, 100%. Makes you feel good, you know? Like when you get the food, you smell it, right? You see it, you want to hear it too. You want to hear it. You want, it's, it's an entire experience, right? Mm-hmm. So you're having the food come out to you. You're with your loved ones. And then you're able to see, you're able to smell it, 
and then you're able to hear this amazing music just jamming out. It's just the entire experience, and I just love it. It's a vibe. Yeah. Vibe. Perfect vibe. word. I want you guys to talk about your websites again before we uh, bounce out. Peace Parmesan. It's, this is this is weird because I'm I'm a very different person. Like I really don't like talking about myself. I really don't like explaining <laughs> to people like, yo, this is what I do. I just I just like to do it, you know. And it defeats the business model, you know, when you're trying to like scale up. It's like how do you how do you want to be like low key and out the way, but also want to like run a business, you know? But that's just me. You know, until I get to the point to where really get, gather people together, like, okay, guys, do this for me, you know, and they do it. But you gotta pump yourself up, man. Nah, and and, I, and that's the thing, like, you know, when you know something, but it's like <laughs> you just be like, uh. But you know, now is now is the best time. So thank you for this opportunity. So I'll give you like some stepping stones, you know. Okay. But yeah, peaceofparmesan.com, Instagram, Peace of Parmesan. There's some stuff up now. I don't really do collections. I just kind of, like I said, I'm super unorthodox. I just drop whenever I feel like I want to drop something. I got to have that moment to where it's like, this is cool. I think the world deserves this. And then I throw it out. (laughs) There's one more thing I need to ask. I mean, as two culinary people, are you guys also going to have like seasonings or sauces or do something like that on the site? Because it kind of makes like, kind of seems like it just makes sense. Yay or nay? (laughs) Yes, it definitely makes sense for sure. For me, provisions like 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 the spice rubs, you know, pickles, things like that are just are just so cool and important. Um, and it's just a way for people to like kind of take noble promise or take peace and parmesan and kind of take it through their everyday life. So we definitely in the works with some some products for sure. And really just trying to redefine like what how people look at money, right? Like like we talked about the money set, right? But mm-hmm. people have a negative aspect about money, but money equals oxygen. It's not that we care about money. You know, I don't really care about money like that. Mo really doesn't care about money, but we need money to survive in a sense, right? It's oxygen. So we need to feed it back into our businesses and things like that. So we're just trying to redefine that in a sense. Um, Products are definitely on the rise. Uh, Noblepromise.com, Noblepromise Instagram, um, Sakari Smithwick Instagram, check me out and I have events coming and, you know, things like that. How do people find out about the events coming up? Yeah, so the link the link is in my bio. Go to my bio, and you could you could book your reservation today, most likely. Today means whenever, right? Today when means whenever, whenever. Okay. Timeless. So whenever today, tomorrow, you can book it, and uh, we're always doing events. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure. You guys are awesome. I wish you both all the best. You guys are freaking fantastic. I love you're, this partnership. Awesome. This is yeah, so fantastic. Awesome. You're awesome. And thank you for for, uh, <laughs> for reaching out and, and having us on here. It's super, super excited and you know, really humbled. Thank you so much. Well, that does it for this episode. I want to thank my guests, Sakari Smithwick and Moshe Douglas again for joining me. We're back next Friday with another outstanding, talented, and of course, stylish culinary personality you don't want to miss. Thank you so much for listening to Feast and Fashion on the Eat, Drink, Dine podcast network. I'm your host, Adasha Townsend. Meet me back here next Friday.